All right, let's go to the book of Nehemiah. We're in the last chapter. I have really got a wonderful blessing out of this book of the Bible. The first time that I went through the book of Nehemiah on my own study, verse by verse, just trying to gather what God wanted from my own heart, taking apart every verse and every word, was in 1995. That's been some time ago. And then um, still got the notes in my Bible where I went through that. I'd encourage you to do that. Study your Bible and maybe have a certain Bible you don't carry with you and read and turn it all the time. Because, you know, Bibles wear out. And uh, But that Bible I've been sort of particular with just to put notes in and just leave it there. But it's been a blessing to go through it all over again. You see things you've never seen before. And uh, we won't finish this tonight, but we want to start Nehemiah chapter 13 together. And maybe, maybe the title of the message will cause somebody on the internet to click it. Y'all know what clickbait is, don't you? Somebody put something on there, especially that it's not about, just to get them to click it. Well, the uh, title of the message tonight is, We Must Discriminate. But it's not clickbait. It's what we're going to deal with. (laughs) Nehemiah 13, verse 1. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit, our God turned the curse into a blessing. Aren't you glad we got a God that can turn curses into blessings? I mean, that's enough right there just to stop and just shout a while. Amen. The curse of sin, the curse of of death, the curse of the devil. He can just take the curse and just turn it into a blessing. That's our God. That's what he did here. The Bible says in verse 3, Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And before this, Elisha the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. But in all this time was I not at Jerusalem. For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king. And after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore. Therefore, I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. 
Yeah. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers, and thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. Well, when we're talking about discrimination, I'm not talking about racial discrimination. I don't believe in that. Whether white or black or yellow or whatever, I don't believe in that. I don't believe you ought to judge a man by the color of his skin that he can't control. I don't believe in that. I'm not talking about social class discrimination. I'm not talking about that. People can't can't help how they were born or where they were born or in what land or country they were born. They can't help it if they're poor. They can't help it if they're born into a rich family. So we're not talking about discriminating people against what they cannot control. But having said that, God does discriminate in a lot of things. And people that, that say we're not going to be discriminatory about anything are foolish. And I hope you'll follow me because after I say what I'm going to say, you're getting into this text about how God and how we have to be discriminating in our Christian lives. Think about this. God discriminates with gender. Now, when we talk about that, we're not talking about people getting saved. But we live in a day where people that do not believe in any type of discrimination, they want to take the Bible and wad it up and throw it in the trash can. We're not talking about people being better than someone else. We're talking about how God discriminates how he wants things done. He, God discriminates against gender. He will not allow a woman to be a pastor. That, that's just in the Bible. That has nothing to do with my... And people take their opinions, and everybody, you can have your opinion, but when your opinion's over, God's word's still going to be true, and you'll have to stand before God with, with your opinion. You say, well, that's discriminatory. It's just it's Bible. I don't care what it is. You say, well, you can't discriminate. That's bad. No, we'll see. No, you, you don't believe that. Deacons have to be men. That's Bible. That's not mean. That's not ugly. That's what God's chosen. He didn't choose Old Testament priests to be ladies. Matter of fact, he even discriminated about age, not just gender. How about that? He said that those people that were Levites, in Numbers 8, verse 24 and 25... He talks about from 25 years old to 50 years old. So if you're 24 years old, God discriminates and says you, you can't be in the priesthood. And if you're 51 years old, you've got to retire. Boy, I would have already been retired. That was the Old Testament. He discriminated about age. Um, there were other ages given for that Old Testament Service, but I, I won't get into all that. But he discriminated with age about not just the Levitical priesthood, but in Second Chronicles chapter twenty-five and verse five, he discriminated about who could be a soldier in the army. They had to be twenty years old and up 
Seemed like our country discriminates about who can be a soldier. Oh, we don't believe in discrimination. You're a liar. You don't let 15-year-old boys join the army. Or 15-year-old girls join the army. Why can't they? Why would you discriminate against a 15-year-old? Why would we discriminate against a 16-year-old? Why would we discriminate against a 17-year-old? You see how hypocritical people are. This society discriminates about all types of people because you have to do that. We don't want to send 13-year-olds off to war. It's, it's immoral. It's not right. It's not proper. You've got to have a discriminatory mind to understand what is good and proper and what is not. How about this? We're having an election on Tuesday, are we not? Let's see here. How old are you, Matthew? 17. Stand up with me. This looks like a nice young man, doesn't it? Well, why don't they let him vote? Why can't he vote? Doesn't he look like a nice, look like a smart young man? If he goes and tries to vote, they're going to discriminate against him. Based upon his... Well, what is so different between this 17-year-old... Who's 18? Who in here is 18? Who? Somebody? Stand up. She can vote. What's up with that? It's called discrimination. And then somebody says, well, you know, we just want U.S. citizens to vote. And somebody said, well, that's discrimination. You're a fool. Let's let five-year-olds vote. Thank you. You, you understand what I'm saying? We, we have rules of discrimination that, that are just normal. Because, because you've got to have the sense. Now, I'll tell you what. If you let me discriminate, there's going to be a whole lot less people voting than just 18-year-olds and illegals. Whatever you want to say about that, oh, that's just hateful to me. No, no. Our society discriminates. What makes that right? What makes it right for her to be able to vote and him not? It's just the standard of discrimination, of judgment that we've made. Here's the line. To be honest with you, (laughs) why do we trust an 18-year-old to vote when we don't trust them to buy a glass of beer? Now, isn't that another discrimination? We've had a lot of people serve in the military. They say, well, why can't I, why can't I buy alcohol? I can go die for my country. Why are you discriminating? I'm not talking about right or wrong to, to, to drink or buy alcohol. We know all that's wrong. I'm talking about the law that discriminates against people of a certain age. You can't do that. What makes that age magic? Nothing makes it magic. It's just somebody had to set some discriminatory line somewhere. Are you following me? So everybody discriminates about something. How about this? Our our society discriminates. Do you know um, 
But brother Chris, if, bro, brother Chris is a school teacher back here, and uh, what if brother Chris had never graduated from high school? Do you think they let him teach? No. Well, that's discrimination. When we look at jobs, some people do not qualify for certain jobs because they don't have the education required. So we're discriminating against people that did not, were not able to get a good education or as good. Yeah! Because we don't want stupid people running the show. Every... When, when you turn in a resume somewhere, they look at it, there's supposed to be discrimination. Does this person have the physical ability to do this job? Does this person have the mental ability to do this job? So don't get on God about being so discriminatory about spiritual things when people are discriminatory about all sorts of things in life because we have to if we have good sense. You're not going to want a surgeon to operate on you that somebody didn't discriminate whether or not he had the ability and the education to do that. Matter of fact, you probably don't want anybody to to, uh, work on your car that that doesn't have some type of... of, uh, What's the word? Not not fee. Some type of permit or some type of license. There's there's a word I'm looking for. Well, why, why, why do they discriminate me? Why why don't they give me an electrician's license? Why, why are they just going to give it to Brother Todd? That's not fair. I'm just I'm just as smart as Brother Todd. Why are you laughing? I've got matter of fact, I've got more degrees than he does. Why aren't you going to let me have an electrician's license? Because you have sense. Now, do you have any sense spiritually to discriminate in your life who or what is bad for you? As we look in this text... God is going to give us not the discrimination about voting, whether it's U.S. citizens or felons or whatever, or age. But these things are serious because these have, this has to do with spiritual discrimination. That certain people aren't going to be allowed to do certain things and be a part of our lives because they don't qualify. And it's not mean and it's not ugly. It's just sense. It's safe. Look with me, verse 1. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabites should not come into the congregation of God forever. That is discrimination. Now, why is that in the Bible? Actually, this is what they're reading is Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, and it says that they should not enter in the congregation from the 10th generation forever. So 
It is forever, but it's the 10th generation forever. Unto the, unto the 10th generation. And there was a reason for that, verse number 2. Because, you know, when God discriminates or when we discriminate our, our lives, all, there's always a reason. It's not just random. It's not just because that's the way I feel. There's a reason. There's something that God's trying to bring about to pass that's safe and that's proper. He said not to let those Ammonites and Moabites into the congregation of God because, verse 2, they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. So the reason that he's not letting them into the congregation of God is not just because that Ammon and Moab are the two incestuous boys of Lot. That's bad enough. But God is not just discriminating against them because of their birth. Are you listening to me? Ammon and Moab came from the terrible relationship that we don't even want to talk about with Lot and his daughters. Wickedness. But that is not why he said they couldn't come into the congregation of God. He said they could not come into the congregation of God because when the children of Israel were coming into the promised land, the, the Ammonites and the Moabites hired Balaam to curse them. And then even after that, they listened to what Balaam talked talk to them and they brought their, their women into the congregation in front of these, these young men. And, that, that, and these women, Moab and, and, and Ammon, they didn't believe in God and they were heathen people and they brought their, their girls out here to, to tempt the boys of Israel because if God could not judge or would not judge based upon Balaam's prophecy, they figured out through Balaam's counsel how he would judge them. And so they were a downfall and they were a thorn in the side and a destructive force in the nation of Israel. And that's why God says, I don't want them in the congregation because they tried to ruin what I'm trying to do with my people. And be not deceived, God's not mocked. You know, you know half the things many times that we face in our lives are just a product of what we've sown and, when we, and, and, and we just got to reap it. I, I tell you what, I can't explain all this, and I'm glad, amen, I'm glad I live in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Though there is an application here, I'm going to make it in just a second. What if you were the seventh, the eighth, or the ninth generation? He said, no, you can't come in until the tenth generation. You say, well, God's just not fair. No, he's, he's always right. But I'll help you out with that. There's a book in your Bible named Ruth. And Ruth was a Moabitess. So she fell under this verse, you know. Now some have speculated, and it might be true, I'm not sure about this, that Ruth was the 10th generation from Lot. I don't know that that's true. I do know that there's 14 generations from Abraham until David. And I know when you get to David and you go back, you go back to Jesse. And you go back to Obed. You're you're getting right there close to. so, So there may be something there. I'm not sure. But I got a better answer for you than that. How did Ruth get in on the family of God? 
She's a Moabitess. You know what she said? She said, where you go, I'm going to go. Thy people be my people. Thy God, my God. You know what she said? She said, I don't want to be a Moabitess anymore. I want to be one of you. Do you know that, that if anyone wanted to convert, they could still convert and not be... They wouldn't be part of Ammon anymore. They wouldn't be part of Moab anymore. They would be part of God's family. And Ruth was so much a part of God's family, amen, that the founder of the church and the starter of the nation came forth from her womb. Wow. You, you can't get any more Israelite... I mean, you have no David without Ruth. You have no Jesus without Ruth. But you know what she says? She said, I don't want to be a Moabitess. I want to be one of you. Mm. So I, I think that in this passage, even though he's still talking about this, this is way after Ruth's day, that still if somebody wanted to convert and if they wanted to, to become a part of Israel... I believe they could, they could do that. They didn't have to be in their old religion and their old ways and identify with those old nations that they came out of. But God says we need to discriminate here. Now notice he says in verse 1 again at the end of the verse, the Moabites should not come into the congregation of God forever. Now let me say, this is not a question of the gospel. This is a question of membership in this congregation. Now, follow me, this is important, because we also discriminate. But we don't, we don't do it based upon Ammonites and Moabites. We base, do it based upon what the New Testament tells us to base it upon. He says, enter into the congregation of God. He's not, he's not talking about salvation. You know, Jesus told them there in Luke chapter 14 to go out in the highways and hedges and just wherever, just compel them all to come in. If they're blind, if they're halt, if they're maimed, just tell them all, come on in. That doesn't sound like discrimination, does it? Yeah, but when they get in, they need to come in. They need to get in. Revelation 22, whosoever will, let him come. The gospel does not discriminate against anyone. We don't discriminate in giving out the gospel to anyone. We give it to everybody. We give it to people that don't even want it. But watch this now. I will give the gospel to a sodomite. But they will not be a part of the congregation of God. Do you see the difference? Until they, like Ruth says, I don't want to be this anymore. I want to be what you are. Isn't that great? Oh, you're so descript- We're not discriminating against the gospel, but you've got to be one of us to be a part of us. That's just the way it ought to be. This church is not, this is not a business. This is not a club. This is, this is supposed to be people that are born again by the Spirit of God that the Holy Ghost lives in the inside of their body. Anybody can have that. But if you don't have that, sorry, you need to stay outside. If you still want to be an Ammonite or a Moabite, just, just stay out there. But we just don't discriminate <clears throat> against lost people. We don't just say that lost people can't be a part of our congregation. We say that some saved people can't be a part of our congregation. 
Is that news to everybody? You're going to discriminate. I thought, I thought if anybody saved, they can be a part. Uh-uh. No, no, that's not true. If you want to be a part of our family, you've got to believe what we believe. Because that's what identifies who we are. You may say you're saved, but, you know, if, if you believe in praying to statues. And, <laughs> sorry, you, you, we'll give you the gospel, but you're not a part of this congregation. But it's not just about doctrinal beliefs. What about discriminating about how people live? Now, hey, see, see, this is where this is where this is where we either believe the God of discrimination or we don't. We must discriminate, church. That is not unkind. Again, go back to what I said. That is not mean spirited. It make it only makes sense. Somebody says, "I want to be a part of this church." But you know, we we go to cocktail parties and we visit the the clubs every now and then, but I'm saved. You know, we have people like that. So we want to be a part of the congregation. You know, we love you, we preach to you, we'll give you the word of God, but no. Because we discriminate. We discriminate. Matter of fact, you know what I do? I'll tell you what I do. Wasn't it a blessing to have Brother and Sister Root join this morning? Wasn't it a blessing? You know why? They're one of us. They believe like us, and we live the same. Now, now I have to caveat that because nobody in here believes everything you believe. Thank God. And that's okay. But th- there's some things if you don't believe... There's a there's a basis that you've got to have to be a part of this congregation. You see, and and, and there there are people in this congregation that don't live like you live. Thank God. But there is a basis line. You understand? We've got some people that that want to be a part of congregations that believe in open marriages. We've got we've got some people that want to be a part of congregation that 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 accept homosexuality that that say they're saved. You know what we have to do? We have to discriminate. What would you think about me if a guy got out of prison? Let's just change it. Let's say a, a lady got out of prison. And started coming to this church, and we're glad that she's here. And she comes about two or three months. And I go up to her on, on a Sunday night, and I say, Ma'am, we're glad you've been coming two or three months. And ma- Okay, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am, we're glad you've been coming two or three months. You were just close there, brother. And I'm not going to say, what, you, what were you in for? <laughs> But what if I said this, dear lady, we're glad you've been coming two or three months. Would you like to keep the nursery next week? You discriminating person, you. 
Guys, you have to do that. It's not unkind. It's not mean-spirited. It just makes sense. Like the 17-year-old not voting. Or the 18-year-old not being able to go in and buy booze. It's just smart. So you know what I pray? I say, God, because I tell you what, aren't you thankful for the visitors this morning? How many of you talked to a visitor this morning? Did you welcome? Thank you for doing that. We got it. We got to do that. This is what I pray. God, please give us the people that you want us to have and keep away the people you don't want here. And if I don't pray that, I'm not a good pastor. You know why churches get destroyed? They don't discriminate. They just say, whatever. Old Brother Wood, he said something real smart. Brother Jack Wood said something real smart. He said he was in a, I was, I was there. I was a young pastor. He was preaching to a bunch of preachers, a bunch of pastors, and I was in my 20s. He said, some of you preachers aren't smarter than a cattle farmer. He said, every cattle farmer knows not to let any old heifer into his stock. Y'all know what a heifer is? That was not a derogatory phrase. That was an agricultural phrase. You want to produce good stock. If you just open the gate and let any old sick worn out bad genetics I mean some of these guys raising this beef man you know when you go to the store hey amen I don't know if you notice it I notice it because it's just my deal but there are grades of meat And there, there is prime, and that's the good stuff. And really, if you go beyond that, there's wagyu. Well, but anyway, there's prime, prime. If you can afford prime, you, that's what you buy for your wife on your anniversary is prime. Prime meat. Only small percentage is prime. And then under that, you're going to have choice. It's not as good as prime, but it's good. That's what most of all your media is. But then you got select. That's what you get at Walmart. <laughs> you know there's a grade even under that? Some people buy stuff, they don't even know what it is. You know what the difference is in that? Discrimination. Because I'm going to get these cattle together that's going to produce a good result. And I'm not just going to let any old stock. Guys, God wants to build a wonderful, committed people of God. And if we are not discriminatory, what will happen is the devil will send somebody in here for our girls. The devil will send somebody in here for our boys. The devil will send somebody in here to break up a marriage. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The devil will send somebody here to try to change our beliefs, our standards, the way we do some some things. I'm telling you, it's called discrimination. Not with salvation. 
Not with giving the Bible, but with who's a part of the congregation. Does that make sense? Amen. I appreciate it. You know, Brother Roop said, and everybody joins this church. They all, they all ask me, he said, can I join? And we'll either say, well, I'll pray about it, or let me come talk to you, or we'll see. Usually, you know what I say? Just sit a while. Because after a while, my preaching is so discriminatory (laughs) that if you don't want to be a part of what we are in this Bible, you'll find somewhere else to go. Which that's good for us and good for you, and we're all happy. Hey, guys, everybody everybody can't fit in this church. (laughs) All of Ardmore can't fit in here. They can't all fit in whatever that's going to be. So what do we do? God, give us somebody that's going to help what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build, the people you want to, the congregation assembly you want to have. i got to hurry. Would you go to the next verse? He said in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse number 3, Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. So we see church discrimination or here in, or an example of it in verse 1 and 2, but we see here personal separation and the discrimination that you've got to make on an individual basis. He said, verse 3, when they had heard the law that they, they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude, all this people that were different than they were, that they separated biblical separation in their life. Hold your finger there. Would you go to Exodus chapter 12? Do you have the sense to discriminate enough to separate from somebody that is bad for your life? You cannot just be open-hearted for everything to come into your life and in your heart. It'll affect you. It affected Israel. This mixed multitude affected their whole congregation, and it, and it resulted in the judgment of God upon them. Exodus chapter 12, he says in verse number 38, this is when they come up out of Egypt, right? They're coming up out of Egypt, and the Bible says in verse 38 of Exodus chapter 12, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds and very much cattle. So there's a bunch of people that come up out of Egypt that go into the wilderness with the children of Israel that aren't Israelites. Maybe they got all shook up because the baby died. Maybe they got afraid. Maybe they saw all the Israelites taking all the gold and the silver and they said, well, let's go that way. I don't know why, but they, they said, this is a good time for us to get out of Egypt. But Egypt didn't get out of them. Watch it. Look at Numbers chapter Chapter 11. Will you discriminate with the personal separation in your life? They separated all the mixed multitude. Because it was destroying them. It was hurting them. God wasn't pleased. Numbers chapter 11. The Bible says in verse number 4. Look at it very carefully. Numbers 11 verse 4. And the mixed multitude... That was among them fell a lusting. 
And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? You know what I see in that verse? I see that the mixed multitude with their sin and their influence and their example are, are giving the example to the children of Israel. And now their sin becomes, becomes the children of Israel's sin. It's the mixed multitude that start all this lusting and all this complaining and all this problem. They got all these people that aren't part of the people of God and they just giving it down the road. Pretty much because, you know, you're living next door and you're in among them, you start murmuring and complaining against God, and you don't like it either. Half the problems of the children of Israel were because the mixed multitude came with them. If you can't see that, I can't show it to you. And this is what's going to happen. If you don't have proper discrimination in your mind, and it may not even be... With somebody that's lost. It may not even be with a backslidden Christian. It may just be with somebody you need to get away from because the more you're with them, the bigger bad attitude you have. Is that plain enough? Discriminate. You know, this, I love you. But you know, I, I don't, I'll pray over here and you pray over there. Because you just get next to me. If so. If, if you have a temptation to gossip, don't get around other people that gossip. Have the discernment and the discrimination to say, you know, okay, good to see you. I'll go this way. And when they text you and when they call you, get off the phone as quick as you can. You say, that's true. No, that's called godly discrimination. You're bad for me. Because every time I talk to you, I'm not closer to God. You know what the devil's going to do in these young people's lives? The devil's going to send somebody in their life, some mixed multitude person in their life, to try to get their eyes and their hearts and their minds off God. And you know what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to have the discrimination to know, this is not a good person for my life. But it isn't just teenagers that need to do that. I guarantee you there are mixed multitude people around you and in your life. It doesn't mean that you can't be friendly. It doesn't mean that you're arrogant and mean-spirited. But you have, you must discriminate. You just can't let somebody in your home that will now start influencing your wife or your children. Guys, you, you would not start... You would not let a drug addict start spending time with your children. Well, then why would you let a covetous or a railer? Because God tells us to put those people out of the congregation. Or a fornicator. Hmm. Well, I just want to be Christian about it. That's not Christian. Well, I just love everybody. You can love people from a distance. How's that? I love you. Just. You ever had somebody always trying to get in your space, you know? Just step back just a little bit. Doesn't mean I don't care. Doesn't mean I'm an ugly person. It's just, you know, it's a little too close. And I'm telling you, a lot of God's people are too close with a mixed multitude. And it's changing your heart. 
And it's changing the way you pray. And it's changing the way you go to church. And it's changing the decisions you make in your life. And it's changing your personal standards because you're letting somebody else that's not like you and that's not like what God wants you to be influence your life. And you have got to be discriminatory. He said they separated from the mixed multitude. He said the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God. And this separation was not a one-time decision. Would you go back to Nehemiah? Nehemiah chapter 9. They had done this once before. You know, you can't lose your salvation, but you sure, sure can lose your separation. They had to be reminded of this over and over again. You remember when we were in chapter 9? How many of you remember? Maybe it made some people uncomfortable. Probably did. That probably was a real good thing. And we were talking about in chapter 9, verse number 2, the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers. And we came all the way over to chapter 10 after this great revival and they sealed and they signed. They put their name to it and they made a covenant with God. But you know what happened when you get to chapter 13? They broke their separation. They broke their commitment. By the way, you know one of the reasons why? Nehemiah left. But he had to. He had to go back. He was given a set time by the king. And 12 years he was there. And as long as he was there, they kept that commitment. But when he left, they started slacking. Oh, I've seen God put certain people in people's lives. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a granddad. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's just some godly individual. And he puts somebody in their life. And that person just sort of holds back things at bay for them. But when that person just goes away for a little while, or maybe they die and move on, it seems like everything falls apart. And they turn back on everything that they were. That's exactly what happened in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes, he leaves town and goes back to the palace. They didn't keep their separation. So when he comes back to town, they got to do it all over again. But praise God, we get to do it all over again. Praise the Lord, God doesn't just throw us away when we mess up. And God doesn't say, well, you didn't keep your separation, and you sealed it, and you signed it. And I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. That's not God. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll let you get separated again. And if, we're, if it don't work in chapter 9, verse 2, we'll do it again in chapter 13, verse 3. And if that's not enough, we'll have to do it all over again in chapter 13, verse 23. Because in 20 verses, you're going to backslide again. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, help me with my separation. Help me with my discernment. I have a continual need. Not just the Ammonite and the Moabite, not just the mixed multitude, but verse number four, and I I think I won't finish this tonight. There's one person, one person that had to be discriminated against, and they were not. Verse 4, and before this, Eliashib the priest having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God was allied unto Tobiah. 
Y'all remember Tobiah? He was there in chapter 2, verse 10, when Nehemiah first arrived. He was there in chapter 2, verse 19. He stood against the good work of God. In chapter 4, verse 3 and 7, he's mocking and laughing. In chapter 6, verse 1, 12, 14, 17, 19, he's very raw. He's mad at anything God's trying to do. He's the enemy. You know who Tobiah was? He was another Ammonite. He was against the work of God. He was against the will of God. And here is a priest that doesn't have enough discrimination to know this is the enemy. And not only does he not have enough discernment and discrimination to know this is the enemy, he makes a big chamber for him. You see verse 5? He prepared for him a great chamber. He wouldn't do that for the good people of God, but he did it for Tobiah who laughed and mocked and hated the preacher and despised who God had sent with Nehemiah. The man who sent letters and tried to discourage... By the way, don't help anybody that's trying to discourage the work of God. Don't help anybody like that. And this priest makes him a big chamber. And that chamber used to hold the tithes. It used to hold the vessels. It used to hold all these things that were prepared to give to the singers and to the priests and to the good workers of God. And instead of all this bounty being given to the workers of God and the people of God, the priest moves all of it out and lets Tobiah set up shop in the very place where God was supposed to be providing for his workers. Because Nehemiah wasn't there. Let me ask you a question. Are you just going to do right when Nehemiah's there? You just going to do right when your dad's there or your mom's there? You just going to do right when the preacher's looking or when... Or the first chance you get. i never forget Brother Hank preaching to me years and years ago. He said, some of you parents are raising your kids to lead a dog's life. And they'll be all right as long as you keep them in the gate. But as soon as you open the gate, they're gone. I never forgot that. And as soon as you turn their ear back, I wonder tonight, Are we thanking God for the Nehemiah in our life and for that which holds back that corruption? Or are we moving out the good blessings of the Lord and the things in our lives that are to be given to the work of God and instead we're making room for the enemy and we're making room for people that have nothing to do with God and instead of using what we have for the glory of the Lord, we're spreading a table. For the things of this world that doesn't care anything about our God. Don't make a chamber for Tobiah. Don't prepare him a place. Don't give him room for a place in your heart. Because as soon as you give a place for the world and the world's crowd in your heart, there will be no place for the Spirit of God. When Tobiah's living in that great chamber, the things that were supposed to be used for the work of God were not there. God 
is trying to work in our hearts so that the things in our lives, in our chambers, in our hearts are there for the use of God. And if we clear all that out and start making room for the world, there's nothing there for God. Tobias just living there. Do you have the good discernment enough to discriminate, hey, the things that God's trying to do in my life to promote His work, I'm moving it aside and I'm moving somebody else in the room in its place. You must discriminate. If something's taking more of your heart than the things of God, you must discriminate. What I'm so thankful when Nehemiah got back, and we'll look at it later because I just don't want to get into it now. But when Nehemiah got back, he started throwing that junk out of the chamber. Just throwing it out. And that's what we need to do. Make room in our lives. Make room in our hearts for God and all these other things of the world that we're making room for. That's starving out the work of God. We need to get it out. And make room for God and quit making room for Tobiah. Can you discriminate what's bad for you spiritually? And will you discriminate against it?